Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Good evening. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church, and I want to welcome you to our Facebook live feed tonight. So glad to have you. Uh, If you would, send up a couple hearts or a share or something so I know that we're communicating with you. I appreciate that. Hallelujah. Well, I'm just glad to assume that we're on But anyway, I'd like to continue our teaching that we started last week from Brother Kenneth E. Hagin's book, The Believer's Authority. I feel it's a necessary subject to be taught because most Christians don't really understand or realize the type of authority that they have and uh, the type of power that they have in the spirit realm and in their life. But before we begin, let's go ahead and pray. And I'll tell you what, why don't we just go ahead and pray our Ephesian prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 23. Father, we thank you and praise you and give you glory. We pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of your calling, what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, word, who believe according to the working of that mighty power which you wrought in Christ, when you raise him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Father, we just thank you for that type of revelation, that type of wisdom that we're about to receive tonight. You also said that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So as we hear the word tonight, Lord, we are expecting and believing faith to come. Overcoming victory faith in our lives at this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. How many believe we're going to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation tonight? That's what we ask for. It's an Ephesian prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prayed it for the church. I just prayed it for the church. I believe it's a, a spirit-filled prayer that God is going to answer tonight. So get ready. Hallelujah. But Brother Hagen's book, as we said last week, is based mainly on the Apostle Paul's epistle to the Ephesian church. Brother Hagen suggests that we read the first three chapters of Ephesians over and over again for several days until we get it down into our spirit. And he believes that's how we get the word to come alive to us. And I believe the same thing. Matter of fact, that was our homework assignment. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you you did your homework assignment? Well, praise the Lord. If you didn't, I'm going to give you a chance to do it again this week. But you'll notice that Paul prayed some really anointed prayers throughout the epistles. And here in Ephesians, at the end of the first and the third chapters, and we'll eventually get to that third chapter prayer, but... Tonight, we're going to concentrate on chapter one. But in case you don't know what the epistles are, they are the letters that were written to the churches. And uh, 
Now, not everybody knows that, but if you didn't know that, don't feel bad about it. I used to think the epistles were the wives of the apostles, so it's all right if you don't understand something. But anyway, we have to understand that the epistles were not just written to the churches back then in Paul's day. They were written to every future church as well, and they were written to your church and my church. And it's the same for the prayers that we prayed in that were prayed in the epistles. They're timeless prayers. They were for that time and that church back then, but they're also for this time and for the modern day church. But Paul didn't pray these prayers in Ephesians only for those churches. He prayed them for us and we can pray them today. And they're just as relevant today as they were back then when Paul prayed them. They're spirit-filled, spirit-inspired prayers that never grow old. So let's read it again in Ephesians 1, 16 through 22. It's the same prayer I just prayed, but it don't hurt to repeat it. This is how we learn. Paul said in 1, 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The, uh, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know, not guess, not wonder, but know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. See, he wants us to understand what that power is to us. And then he says, which he wrought in Christ, the same power that he made available to us, he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So Christ is the supreme authority. His, his power and authority is supreme in the world's past, present, and future, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Christ is the head of the church. And uh, he has given us that same power and authority to exercise in our lives and in, in our church. So we're going to continue teaching from Brother Hagin's book uh, because I believe that it will help us to understand the authority that we have as a believer. The translators of the King James Version translated many words consistently, but not the Greek words for power and authority for some reason. Although they're two separate different words in the Greek, sometimes they uh, translate them exactly the same. And so, for example, in the King James Version, Jesus says in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so we have the uh, the word power here used twice, but it was translated from two different Greek words. And although the word power uh, is translated from two different words in the original Greek, what Jesus actually said was, I have given you authority. That first word that was translated power should have been translated authority. Uh, he says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So as you can see, there are two different words. And that's exactly how the, the New Living Translation translated it, plus uh, many other modern-day translations. Uh, the New Living Translation says, 
Look, I have given you authority, not power. He said authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. So in speaking about serpents and scorpions, he's not talking about real serpents, real scorpions. He's not talking about handling poisonous snakes. He's talking about the power of the devil, demons, evil spirits, and all his accomplices, all his cohorts. And, and what we need to realize is that we have authority over all of them. That's what Jesus is telling us here. He says that we have authority over all the powers, all the devices of the enemy. And in Matthew 28, 18 is another verse where the word authority should have been used instead of power. And in the King James Version, it reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And it should have actually been translated, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And once again, the New Living translated, uh, Translation translated it exactly like that. It said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So sometimes it's talking about power, sometimes it's talking about authority, and we have to break it down and find out which Greek word they translated, and we do that by looking at other translations. But when Christ ascended into heaven, he transferred his authority to the church. And he can do that because he's the head of the church, and believers make up his body. He's the head of the body. We are the body of Christ in the earth today. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head of the church. And so Christ's authority has to be perpetuated or, or kept alive. That's what that word means. Kept alive through his body, which is on the earth today, through you and I. And Paul uses the human body as an illustration of the body of Christ here in Ephesians and elsewhere in the epistles. But Paul mentioned in his prayer here in Ephesians chapter 1 that Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and what that represents throughout the Bible is consistent throughout the Bible. When somebody seated at the right hand, they're, they're seated at the, the side of authority. That right hand represents the place of authority. So Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, which is a place of authority. Uh, but here's what's interesting about it. Paul told us in Ephesians 2.6 in the second chapter uh, that God raised us up together with him and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ or in Christ Jesus. So Christ is at the right hand of the Father and he brought us up to sit in heavenly places with him. We're talking about in the spiritual realm. This is a realm of our authority. We're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father the place of position for authority. And of course, he had to confer that authority upon the church for them to be able to accomplish anything in the earth today. But if you know anything about history, you'll know that to sit at the right hand of the king or the pope actually represents that place of authority. We died with Christ, past tense. We were raised with him, past tense. And this is not something God is going to do in the future. This is something that he's already done. Uh, uh, many believers think that we're going to be seated in heavenly places with Christ, but he's already seated us there. We're already seated in that position of authority in the spiritual realm. 
And uh, one of the things that have kept us from exercising this authority is because we think there's a vast difference between the modern day church of today and the church that we see in the book of Acts. And I've even referred to them myself at times as the early church and the latter church uh, or the first church and the last church. But in actuality, it's all one church. There's not an early church and a later church. There's a there's the early history of the church and the, the later history of the of the church, but there's no early church and latter church. And so that's one of the things that we have to understand here if we're going to operate in this kind of authority in the earth today. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding among, and this goes uh, among uh, a lot of denominations concerning this idea that there's an early church and a latter church. And they speak as though they're two different churches, and it confuses a lot of people because we get to the place where we don't think we can do the things that the early church did. And, and that's, a, that's just a device of the devil to deceive us. And uh, entire denominations believe with all their heart that we don't need the same authority that was needed in the early church. And it's even being taught by, from the pulpits by some. But I think we do need it. I mean, does the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have or need any less authority today than they needed when the church first started in the book of Acts? It would be crazy to think that we don't need that type of authority and power. And, and the church we see in the book of Acts and the modern day church is the same church, although they look vastly different. As a matter of fact, we're still living in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not over. The book of Acts continues until the end of the church age. But the church we see in the book of Acts should be the same church that we see today. The modern day church should look exactly like that church in the book of Acts because that was the pattern for the church. That was the blueprint for the church. Uh, if you want to be have a biblical-based church, then it has to be based on the book of Acts. That's our example for the church. And, and we're just a continuation of the same church that we see in the book of Acts. And I'll be the first to admit that the church does look different today. And, uh, I mean, it looks like a different church compared to the book of Acts, but uh, that's only because man and religious thinking have made it look that way. Uh, the church today is not nearly as powerful or authoritative as the church we see in the book of Acts. And uh, nobody can deny this. Yes, we see a miracle here and there. Yes, there's the gifts of the Spirit operating here and there. And we see some of the things that were going on in the book of Acts, but not nearly at, as much as they, they actually happened in the book of Acts. Miracles and healings and signs and wonders were commonplace in the book of Acts. And I think if you want to get a church that's uh, looks like the church in the book of Acts, then we have to start believing and acting just like they did in the book of Acts, just like the believers did in the book of Acts. I mean, uh, we've been told for years that miracles have been done away with, healing has been done away with, the gifts of the Spirit no longer operate in the church, and being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues is no longer necessary. That was for the early church. That was for the church that was started back there in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. And religious leaders have gotten us to believe that these things were only necessary to jumpstart the church or get the church started 
and get her established in the earth. But all these things passed away when the last apostle died. And uh, first of all, the last apostle hasn't passed away. He's not dead. Hebrews 3.1 tells us, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So the last apostle is not dead. He's alive and well. And, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the things that he did in the book of Acts, the things he did when he walked this earth physically, we should be doing in the church today. And we should continue doing them. Uh, he's still performing miracles. He's still healing people. He's still filling people with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the Holy Ghost is still operating in the gifts of the Spirit in the church, the modern day church. And if you're not, your church is not operating in those gifts, it's because they don't want to. Amen. They are available. And if we needed those things to start the church age, then I, I'm confident that we definitely need them to perfect the church because Christ is coming after a, a perfect church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. And we're not going to get that done without the help of the Holy Spirit. And he's coming for a, a church in the end that is acceptable to be presented to the Father. And we're not going to get there unless we start operating like the church we see in the book of Acts. And we can't continue to think that the church is powerless and has no authority on the earth today. Because if we do, we're never going to do anything. We're just going to be a religious organization sitting around with our hands folded, waiting on the return of the Lord. And, and you know, the main reason is because the value of our authority rests on the power that is behind that authority. And there's too many people, too many men in the church that are trying to do things in their own strength, trying to do things in their self, when they have this power available to them and they just don't know how to use it or they just refuse to use it. But God himself is the power behind our authority and the devil and his forces are obliged to recognize it and obey it. And this is why the devil doesn't want Christians to learn about this authority. And this is why he fights so hard against this spirit of wisdom and revelation that Paul prayed for us. He wants us to walk in darkness concerning this, and he will do everything in his power to keep us from learning the truth about the authority that the church has. And uh, the believer who thoroughly understands that the power of God is backing him can exercise his authority and face the enemy without any fear of any kind. And I'm telling you, if this ain't a time for us to do that, I don't know what is. There is so much fear running through the church today that it paralyzes the church. It paralyzes the believer because they can't operate in faith if they're operating in fear. And so we need to get this into our spirits. That's why Brother Hagin said to read it several times a day for several days until it gets into our spirit and becomes a part of us where we begin to operate in that and exercise that power and authority that Christ gave to the church. But what is, the, what is authority? You know, real authority is really delegated power. You know, the government has a certain amount of authority and a certain amount of power uh, over uh, the people that live within that state or within that country. But the only authority that the government has is the authority that we render to them. Amen. I mean, they could force us to do things, but in order for them to have authority over us, 
we have to be willing to give them that place. We have to be willing to give them that authority to do those things in our life. But here's an example. When policemen are directing traffic and they want a vehicle to stop, they just raise their hand, maybe blow a whistle or something like that, and the vehicle stops, whether it's a small car or a very large 18-wheeler truck, and, and they stop because of the authority that that police officer has when he holds up his hand. Uh, the police officer, officer himself doesn't have the physical power to stop any kind of vehicle, small or large, if that driver chooses not to stop. He'll just slap run him over. But they don't use their own strength to, t to stop traffic. They use the strength and the power that's invested in them through the government or the, the law enforcement agency that's behind that police officer, the government they serve, in other words. And the reason people stop their vehicles is because they recognize the authority that is backing the police officer, and that's what causes them to obey. The police officer has no authority over them unless they yield that authority to him and step on those brakes. I mean, if they decide not to stop, they'll, they'll run that police officer over, and all the authority in the world didn't mean anything. It couldn't stop him. But it's different in the spiritual realm. And if I can only get you to believe and recognize the authority that is behind not only the church, but also behind every single believer, it will change your life forever. And the church can operate in it. And there's authority that's vested in us by the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, what greater strength, what greater backing could anybody have than that? And that police officer is not strong in his authority or the power of his might. He's strong in the authority of the power of the force that stands behind him. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.10, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the prophet Zechariah said, It's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So we have to understand that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. And so a lot of people think the Lord is telling them to be strong in themselves, and that's a lot of times where they fail. Uh, but the scripture doesn't say a word about being strong in yourself. Yes, he's given us abilities. We are strong. There are certain things that we can do, but we can do so much more if we do it in the power of his strength. And, uh, it says to be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. So people say, I don't know whether I can make it or not. This one, don't, it doesn't look like I'm going to get out of this one. And, and, but I say this, of course you can make it. And the first thing you need to change is your attitude. Don't even think like that. Get that type of attitude out of your head. That is a defeatist attitude. That is a spirit of defeat. And you have no business even thinking like that. You don't have any business, especially speaking like that. Tell yourself instead to be, I'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and not the power of my might. And that's where I'm going wrong. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be strong in the power of my might when I should be drawn on his strength, drawn on the power that's behind me. First John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we don't have anything to fear that's in the world. If it's in the, if it's in the world, we don't have to fear it. 
We can overcome anything in the world because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And let's talk about the enemy and his demons and all the evil cohorts and all the evil forces. Uh, the greater one is living inside of us. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves, hey, the greater one is living in me. I know this looks bad. That giant is big. That mountain is tall. That wall is wide. But the greater one lives in me. And that's the attitude that we need to adopt. He that is in the world is the devil. And he's the God of this world. He's the head of principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. But our head is light. Hallelujah. And uh, he that is in the world is not as great as the one that's in us. But the power that's in you is greater than the power uh, than any power that's in the world. Because the power that backs our authority is greater than the power that backs their authority. The power of light is greater than the power of darkness. The leader of the light is greater than the leader of the darkness. And he's living in you. So that means you can step out in front of the devil, hold up your hand and say, Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop. Get out of my body. Stop this attack on my finances. Stop this attack on my family. Stop in the name of Jesus and stand in that authority and see things begin to change. Instead, though, we let the devil run over us. Amen. We hold up our hand and we say, stop, please. Please stop. Will you stop? And we're backing up the whole time. He knows he's got us on the run. He's going to buffalo us. And, and if he gets a chance, he's going to run you slap over. He's not afraid of that type of authority. He knows that you don't know the type of authority you have, and so he's going to push it. He's going to, he's going to try it. But we have to be bold in our authority, just like that police officer has to be bold. Sometimes he'd do a little dance in the middle of the street, blow his whistle and hold up his hands and stuff and do a little shimmy. But he's just playing around. If he gets serious, he's going to let you know, stop. I said stop right now. And you're going to stop. Amen. Uh, especially if he points his gun at you, you're going to stop. But Brother Hagen used this example, and I'm going to tell you the story about it. It's in his book. He said once in England, Smith Wigglesworth, who was another man of old, a great man of God and faith, he was standing on a street corner waiting for a bus. And a woman came out of a nearby apartment house, and her little dog ran out behind her. And she turned around and said to the dog, Honey, you're going to have to go back. And the dog didn't pay any mind to her whatsoever. He just wagged his tail and rubbed up against her affectionately and sniffed around. And she said, now, dear, you can't go with me. You have to go back to the house. And the little dog just wagged his tail again and rubbed up against her. And about that time, the bus arrived. That woman turned around. She stomped her foot and yelled, get. And that dog tucked his tail between his legs and ran right back to the house. And, and Wigglesworth said, before he even realized that he hollered it out loud, he said, that's the way you got to do the devil. And boy, that's the truth. You, that's exactly how you have to do the devil. You have to exercise authority with boldness in your life. And I'm not saying you act crazy in the middle of Walmart aisle three. I'm just saying if you get into a situation, you say in your heart and in your mind, you... I would prefer you say it out loud, but you don't have to because this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual thing. You can say in your heart, 
I declare you right now in the name of Jesus to stop. And then he's got to stop. He's got to obey that authority. And, and uh, you know, you can't be nice with the devil. You can't just suggest things to the devil. You can't suggest that he do or not do anything. You have to stomp your foot and say with the voice of authority, in the name of Jesus, get. And you have to believe it yourself or it's not going to work. Get out of my house. Get out of my family. Get out of my body. Get out of my finances. Get in the name of Jesus. And this is the attitude that we have to develop. This is where we have to believe our authority in the spirit. And I know people think, well, I tried that once and it don't work. Some people even get embarrassed if they uh, even talk like this. They would be embarrassed to even know anybody's listening to me right now that they know I, that they listen to. But uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but people get embarrassed about this stuff. And I'm telling you, it is nothing to get embarrassed about. The spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. We're just programmed as natural beings. We're just programmed in the flesh. And if we can't see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, rub up against it, then to us, it's just not real. But I'm telling you, the spiritual realm is real. The authority that we have in the spiritual realm is real. And when you start speaking that authority boldly and you start commanding some things to change in your life and you hold your ground, even if it doesn't change right away, even if it doesn't change in a week, a month, a year, however long it takes, whatever the situation is, God is going to sustain you until it does change. So no matter if you get worse or you get better or you stay the same, just hang in there because God is going to sustain you until the victory comes. You just have to believe that. You just have to keep standing. You just have to keep stomping your foot and telling him to get until he gets, until he's gone. The Holy Spirit gave Brother Hagen a word for the church concerning our authority in the earth. And he spoke it to us through this, the gift of prophecy. Now, Brother Hagen was an apostle and a prophet. I mean, in the, in the uh, original sense, just like Paul was an apostle and a prophet. You know, an apostle starts churches. Brother Hagen's got churches all over the world that he started through his ministry. And uh, a prophet also can see into the future and, and tell us things that are happening in the future. A prophet can also testify. A prophet can tell you something that God told him. And that's how the gift of prophecy works. And, you know, not everybody that prophesies is a prophet. But Brother Hagen was a true prophet. Anyway, he starts his prophecies usually by saying, you know, the Holy Spirit says, or sometimes he would start by saying, thus saith the Lord. And then he would tell us what the Lord said to him. So in other words, Brother Hagen is letting us know that this was the Lord speaking to him and he was just conveying the message to the church. And so he said this, the Holy Spirit says, power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him through his overcoming the enemy belongs to the church. Now, I know this is coming out of Brother Hagin's mouth, but you have to understand God is speaking it through him. I'm not saying he went into a trance and got possessed. He just felt that in his spirit. God spoke to his spirit and he shared it with us. And then he says, therefore, that authority, for it belongs to you on the earth. And in this life, you shall reign by Christ Jesus. Let me read it again. Power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him 
through his overcoming the enemy, belongs to the church. Therefore, exercise that authority, for it belongs to you on the earth, and in this life you shall reign by Christ Jesus. Not when you get to heaven, not in the sweet by and by. In this life you shall reign by Christ Jesus. In other words, he hasn't left us powerless or without authority in the earth. He gave us authority to reign in this life as well as the life to come. Now, your authority doesn't always work in other people's lives unless they're, uh, you're responsible for them, your children or something like that. But your authority always works in your life. It always works for you. And I think by now everyone knows that I believe in prophecy. I made that publicly clear. And, and as long as it comes to, from a reputable prophet, and Brother Hagen is one of them. I mean, he was in the ministry for well over 60 years, and he has a track record for accuracy. So when he says, thus saith the Lord, you can take it to the bank. And I believe what he prophesied came from the Lord. It was actually the Lord telling us through him that we have authority that belongs to us here on the earth, and we need to exercise it so that we can reign in this life by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And what is reigning in this life? Uh, reigning over your own life first, <laughs> being successful in your own life, telling yourself what to do, having authority over your flesh, uh, having authority over the circumstances of your life and taking authority over those circumstances. We don't fall victim to circumstances. We overcome circumstances and we, we exercise the authority that we have in the, in the spiritual realm uh, to defeat the devil, to head him off at the pass, so to speak, to get one leg up on him and get a foot on his neck and keep him under our feet. And it takes the power and authority that was conferred to the church, that was conferred to each and every believer to do that and do it successfully. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation hit this audience tonight, hit everyone that's listening tonight, and they get a revelation of this and they get an understanding that Jesus did not leave us powerless and he did not leave us without authority in the earth and that we can reign in this life, in our life, with spiritual authority and spiritual power and there is nothing that we can't accomplish. There's nothing we can't overcome and be victorious over and we do it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now I'm telling you, there's people I'm talking to tonight that are sick, that are suffering with all kinds of diseases and aches and pains and crippling arthritis and heart problems and uh, nerve problems and sugar problems and all kinds of COVID problems even. But I'm telling you, you need to start exercising authority over that. Begin to speak to that part of your body that's not cooperating with you and not operating the way that God designed it to operate and keep speaking to it until things begin to change. And whatever it is that you can't do, you start doing. I don't care if it's just one inch at a time. Every day, another inch. Every day, another inch. Until you have overcome completely the thing that's been holding you back. And you can do it in Christ. Amen. So God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. We'll see you Sunday morning around about 11 o'clock. Have a good one. Be safe and be careful. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. 
For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.